want to start making more money? Find out on today's episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Pro Writing Aid. Save thousands of dollars on an editor by using the best tool in the business, servemaster.com front slash pro writing aid. Are you tired of dealing with your boss? Do you feel underpaid and underappreciated? If you want to make it online, fire your boss and start living your retirement dreams now, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Serve No Master Podcast, where you'll learn how to open new revenue streams and make money while you sleep. Presented live from a tropical island in the South Pacific by best-selling author, Jonathan Green. Now, here's your host. Excited to bring you guys another amazing live episode from my garden, the Serve No Master Podcast, and hanging out right next to my youngest son. So there may be some background noise he's playing in the garden, but he will do his best to be quiet. He doesn't know how to talk yet. So mostly his noises are grunts, laughs, and the smashing of his toys. But it doesn't mean that we can't still build an amazing business. And what I want you to see is that life can become what we want. If you want a life of freedom, it becomes your definition. For me, my son being near me while I'm working is a positive, not a negative. It's what I want. It's the life I want. So I appreciate you guys bearing with me. We're going to talk about some really cool stuff today, starting with a lesson that I learned one year into my business. When I first started working online, my very first year working for myself, I made $36,000. And that's the exact same salary at the last job I worked at for someone else. It's easy to think that that's a coincidence, but in reality, it's something else. Most of us create a definition of ourselves based on what other people say we're worth. If you're working an hourly job right now, you're making $7 an hour, then you probably think you're worth $7 an hour. And there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't matter what number you insert there, whether it's seven, seventy, seven hundred, or $7,000 an hour. The problem is that we get our definition from someone else. If your definition of self, if your value of yourself comes from a number that someone else has applied to you, that's a limiting belief. Because when you start to work for yourself, that constraint no longer exists. Here's how it works when you work for someone else. They pay you the absolute lowest amount they can to, that you'll work for without quitting. That doesn't mean it's what you're worth. That's the minimum of a range. And this applies across every business around the world. Think about this. If you were a boss and you had 10 employees, would you rather pay an extra $1,000 a month in salary to all your employees or keep that for yourself? Of course you're going to keep it for yourself. That's why bosses make more money. You have the ability to take the maximum. Here's how payroll works at my business. Every single week, I pay all of my workers every Friday night, Saturday morning, depending on when they send in their payroll reports. They always do them a little bit late. And I pay everyone out of that week's take, out of our profits for the week. We have money coming in from all sorts of different projects. We have things from book royalties and paperback payment sales and hardback sales and my comic book and my coloring books, and my audio books and my products and affiliate referrals and consulting commissions and services, everything we do across the whole spectrum. And I pay the entire team and what's left over belongs to the company and me. I'm the sole owner of the company. That means it's high risk, high reward. On a week where our take is lower than the salary, the salary comes out of me. I make nothing. So being the boss means there's a heavier burden, but also means there's more opportunity. So when you start to work for yourself, if your definition of what you're worth comes from something your last boss gave you, that limits you. And I know this is true because I remember specifically about uh, six or seven months in, I received a payment for $4,000 three days into the month. I received a payment for $4,000, which as you know, 30% over what I was trying to make. My goal for each month was $3,000 a month, which is $100 a day. And I stopped working for the rest of the month. I took a 27-day vacation. It's not the first time it happened. And next year, I hired my first mentor. And he said to me, Jonathan, what did you make last year? What was your salary at the job before that? Oh, those are the same numbers, same for me. 
And what I've discovered is I met lots of people. It doesn't matter what that number was. I read a really interesting article about 10 people who started million-dollar businesses their first year in business. All of them were former CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. They left their own company. They were C-level executives, whether it was CEO, CTO, CEO, whatever, and they started their own business. One of them started a sign-making business. It was doing a million dollars, and guess what? They used all their previous connections to build the same salary they had this, the previous year. So part of it comes from self-belief. Part of it comes from the type of connections you have and the abilities you have. But I know people that have done this their first year in online business made $200,000 because that was their previous salary. That happened to a friend of mine. Unfortunately, my previous salary wasn't very high, so I made $36,000 my first year in business. When I broke through that ceiling the next year, I made more than 20 times more money. Now, that number is the gross, so that doesn't include what I was paying for software, what I was paying for staff, and all those other things, but it's such a massive difference when you start to realize that you're capable of greatness. So the very first step in this process is to shatter that belief. I had a really great revelation um, that helped me with the pricing of my ghostwriting project. I do very few ghostwriting jobs, do as few as I can. I keep a few on the go so that I have that revenue stream. It never dries up completely, but I try to keep it as minimized as possible. But what I've realized is that what I think something is worth is not what someone else thinks something is worth. Let me give you an example of this. There are many different companies that offer a ghostwriting service, okay? I know a company, they will help you write your book, and what they do is basically nothing. They'll have a VA get on the phone. If you read a set of pre-written questions, the same questions they ask every single person, they'll record your answers, have it transcribed. The cost of the transcription to them is about $300 because they're paying a dollar per minute. They turn three, four, maybe even five hours, maximum five hours into a transcript. They send it to you along with basically instructions on how to turn it into a book. Okay. They charge $35,000. That's a lot of money. And they're not the only service that does. I actually know three other companies are replicating that. Think about that. And yet, my first book where I wrote for someone else, I wrote an entire book from scratch, massive research, many, many hours of work, killer book that generated a million dollars in sales. I was paid $800. Why? Because I didn't know how to price myself. Why is the cost of a book I write now $20,000 instead of $8,000 or $5,000? Here's why. I was at a conference a few years ago, and I was giving a talk about how to make more money as a consultant. And then he goes, Jonathan, what's your price? I go, it's $5,000. He goes, double it. I go, okay, I'll charge it. He goes, stop being a coward. Double it again. That's it. Here's what happens. Because I charge more money, I have more breathing room. I could put more time into a project. I could put more people on a project. I have eight full-time employees and several part-time employees on top of that that I can deploy on a project-by-project basis. I could bring in my highest level editor. I can bring in a really great transcription team. I can bring in a really great cover design team. I can bring in really great formatting and still have enough profit to cover the amount of time that I put into the project, which is often dozens or hundreds of hours, just depending upon every different project I work on. When the amount I charge is lower, it limits what I can do because I have to keep every penny for myself just to stay afloat. So there's a lot of benefit to me raising my price and it changes the type of clients that I work with and all of those things. But the difference in quality isn't that much. I do all the work myself. It's harder for me because I don't have money to spend on other people. But the final product really isn't that different. The books that I was charging $5,000 for versus books I charged $20,000 for, not really that much different. They're a little bit better, sure, but the difference is in how you see yourself. And this brings me to the first point, the difference between positioning and prospecting. Prospecting is where you go hunting for clients. You're constantly going out there and saying, I'm looking for it, here's what I do. The greatest example of this is if you join Upwork. Upwork is a great platform. I don't use it as much as I used to. They made a lot of changes to really make it more and more inconvenient. But the concept is they put thousands of freelancers with every single different skill set and hundreds or even thousands of companies that want to hire those specific skill sets. Now, 
the biggest problem is that you get is a feeding frenzy and a race to the bottom. I try to make some changes to the platform to deal with this. I don't know if they'll succeed or not, but it used to be I could post an ad and I would get dozens of applications and people would price themselves lower and lower to compete with each other. I've seen this in market after market. What happens when you're in this type of competition is that people get you for way less. I can tell you for a fact that someone who paid me $20,000 to ghostwrite their book by hiring me directly, if they hired me through Upwork would pay me $2,000 or less for the same work. My value 10x is between the positioning and prospecting. Prospecting is where you're chasing clients. Positioning is where you say I'm an expert. Good luck if you want to hire me. How do you know I position? Go to my website and let me know if you find the ghostwriting client application form. You won't. It does not exist. I don't have a website that says, hey, if you want to hire me as your ghostwriter, do this. Now, people try to make positioning versions of their websites by saying, I'm a ghostwriter, here's all my skills, yada, yada, let's talk and consult, and then I'll tell you the price. And that's okay. That's a middle of the road, because at least they're not chasing. Once you start chasing, you lose a lot of your power. This is in every single market, okay? You ever heard of a website called 99designs? Here's how it works. Depending on what you pay, you can say, oh, I need a new logo. They go, okay, for a new logo, it's this many hundred dollars. I don't know their current price. I haven't looked in a really long time. I've never used their service. Then they get a certain number of artists to bid. Based on what you pay, the number of artists differs. You pay more, it's 50, 50 artists, than 100, 150, whatever. But you, I think the standard package is that you order and you'll get 99 designs, you choose the best design. And that person gets paid. 98 people do the work and don't get paid. I want you to think about that for a second. They turn work into a competition. And I know, same thing. You're trying to hire, you can actually hire for less money and hire someone directly because if you hire them through another platform, they know they're getting paid. They're far less likely to cut corners or plagiarize. We want to do positioning. Here's how I position myself. Number one, I create an avatar in my mind, someone that I'm going to act like. In my case, uh, it's David Duchovny's character from Californication. I, I don't remember. I haven't watched the show in years and years what the guy's name is or very much about the show. I know there's a lot of stuff that's adults only on it. But what I really paid attention to was how he talked to people he worked with. He never cared. He was just a little bit of a jerk. Now, it's a lot more of a jerk. I don't calibrate that far, but I push that part of myself out. I go, look, I know I'm a good author. I don't have anything left to prove. If you're not sure what this is like, I want to give you lots and lots of different examples. Um, back when I was in the dating world and teaching dating, long before I was married, I was teaching men and women how to fall in love. One of uh, the other guys that I met along the way was a Navy SEAL. And he was a Navy SEAL instructor and you wouldn't know it because he never talked about it that way. He didn't talk like Navy SEALs in a movie. He didn't even have a mustache. Uh, but when I finally realized what he did, and first I said, oh, what do you do for a living? He goes, oh, I'm an underwater demolitions instructor for the Navy. And I was like, I go, wait a minute. <laughs> I watch enough Discovery Channel to know that Bud's is basic underwater demolition school. And I asked him, he goes, yeah, I'm a Navy SEAL. So one night, we're in a bar, I'm talking to a girl, and I go, I'm not afraid of anything. And I push this guy. And I go, see, I just pushed the Navy SEAL. I'm afraid of nothing. She goes, wow, that's amazing. You're my hero. I talked to him about it later. He thought it was the funniest thing he'd ever seen. Here's why. He thought it was so hilarious because we both knew what would have happened if he had decided to kill me. Surprise result, I would have died. When you have such a disparity, okay, between an author and a professional warrior at the tip of the spear, right? No one wonders which of us are going to fight. It's his expertise. Now, if we and him entered an essay contest, now we're in my arena. What that means is that confidence, the confidence is truly the highest level where when someone questions your ability, it's so ridiculous you don't even consider. It's the same way I feel when my 18-month-old son wants to start a fight with me. Of course, we're play fighting. He could never actually win a fight with me. So I don't have to give 100%. In the same way, when you're positioning, you're such an expert, you believe in yourself so much that when people push back or doubt you, it doesn't mean anything. 
Just the other day, I was in a conversation with a friend of a client who I'm writing a book for. I actually wrote the first rough draft one. He didn't like the first chapter, whatever it happens. And he goes, uh, do you actually do this for a living? And I was like, okay. <laughs> with how many satisfied clients I have, with how many millions of dollars and millions of books I've sold, I just said, yeah. I didn't even follow it up with proof. I didn't follow up and go, I've written 250 bestsellers. I didn't follow it up and say, I've sold this many books. I didn't follow it up with anything else because I don't need to because it's irrelevant to me. There's nothing you can say that makes you go, I'm not a professional ghostwriter, right? <laughs> the only thing that proof is in the pudding. People pay me. My books are good. If they weren't good. They wouldn't pay me, right? So that's all that it comes down to. So the more you believe in yourself, the more you position, which means instead of chasing, you act like the expert. And how do you act like the expert? That's the $64,000 question. And the easiest way to do that is to fake it till you make it. Imagine what your avatar would act like and pretend it. If you don't have a specific avatar, a specific famous person in your industry, there's never a TV show about someone who's a graphic designer with an attitude, that's okay. Just imagine that. Just choose a celebrity and pretend that celebrity had that job in a movie. And it really comes from a place of going, how would I act if I didn't need more clients? I didn't always not need more clients. That's a new thing. And the difference between now and 10 years ago and how I act is not very much because I pretended I didn't need clients even when I did. I've been in negotiations where I was worried about paying rent. I've been in negotiations trying to close a client because I had an emergency family bill I needed to pay. I've been late on my rent before. I once paid my rent 24 days late, about six years ago. Fortunately, the apartment manager was lazy as hell and they didn't notice. I finally went by the property office and gave him the money. And six days later, I had to pay him the next month's rent, but that was terrifying and I needed to close that client. But if I'd said to that client, look, I need the money, I got to pay rent, they would have said, oh, in that case, I'm going to pay you $500, not $2,000. You can smash yourself. So you have to hide your fears, hide your problems, and act like you don't need the money even when you do. And this means you got to know your worth. What are you actually worth? Look at your market and look at what other people are charging to do similar stuff to what you can do. Whatever your services, whatever your area of expertise, whatever your area of excellence is, get a feel. See what the market charges. I'm not an expensive ghostwriter. For people listening to this podcast and people in the internet marketing world, sure. But if you talk to a politician, if you talk to a celebrity like a movie star, guess what? They're paying more than 20. I happen to know a guy who charges 100. You can get five books from me for the same price. You can get one book from him. That's a really good discount. And again, remember, there's a service where you can pay 35000 and all you get is some recordings of yourself talking and then you have to edit it yourself. So often, we price things based on our own perception, not based on the market. We pay things price on, oh, this is what I think people are willing to pay. Instead, go out there and look and see what people are actually willing to pay. Look at the real data and let that drive your business. And you need to create a baseline and it cannot be your previous salary. At my previous job, sure, my salary was $3,000 a month after taxes, like $2,200 a month. And they would say, oh, but with all your benefits, you're getting a value of $48,000 a year because we had really, really great medical insurance, which is true, but you don't get any value unless you get sick. So even though the next year I was making $3,000 a month, I made the exact same salary. It wasn't the same amount because I didn't have that extra money for health insurance and those other things. I didn't include those benefits in my calculations. So you can look at your number a lot of different ways. It could be, this is what I need to make per hour to cover my bills, take care of my family, to live a good life. And you do all the calculations, which I cover in Serve Your Master in really great detail, how to math it out. Or you can just look at what the market is charging and put yourself near the top of the market. Say, okay, this is where I want to get to charge. Now, along the way, you may have to eat some crow. And this is a critical but painful lesson. This is something that most other people, when they talk about their process, they mask or they hide, and it's unfortunate. But you're probably going to have to do some things that stink. Best way to say it. I had a massive business that shrank because I made some really poor decisions about eight years ago. And I got so lazy. I basically didn't work for about two, two and a half years. And only when I was with my wife, we started having children and the bills started getting up. 
my money started slowing down. So I realized I had to rebuild my business from scratch. And so I had to start taking jobs, writing books for $800. They were generating tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. One of them even generated a million dollars in sales from a friend. And I went to a friend and he said, all right, we pay our normal outsourcer $800. We'll pay you $800 to write a book. Now, did I want to get paid more? Of course. Did I try to negotiate for more? Of course I did. But they knew my situation and they were paying what they were paying. They paid me. They said, we'll replace the other guy. And sometimes I did emergency or better work for him. They paid me a little bit more. But... <laughs> I never complained to them. I'm still friends with them. I still hang out with those guys all the time. Now we do projects together and think this and that. But I don't have any complaints because I needed the money. Some people could look at that and say they paid me $2,000 for a project and made a million. Yeah, well, I mean, it didn't feel good. But when that $2,000 came due, I was able to pay for some medical bills or for some food and cover the rent that month. So I've had some ups and downs in my career. Yeah, I've been on an upswing for a while, but I don't want you to get the mistaken impression that I never had hard times. It's not true. So along the way up, you may have to eat some crow. And what that means is you may have to take some low-paying jobs to build out your portfolio, to get some reviews, to get some experience, or just to realize what you should actually be charging. Okay? It happens. And I want to prepare you for that because you deserve to know what's really going to happen. So there may be a dip on your way to the big profits. It comes down to ask yourself a core question. How bad do you want it? Everyone has a spectrum for how bad they want it. I've been teaching different forms of online business for nearly a decade now. Throughout my different journey, I've done a lot of different business models and taught people what I was doing and had some ups and downs, of course. And I've been in an upswing for quite a few years now. And what I mostly teach is what I do. And what I've learned after coaching so many people, private coaching, one-on-one coaching, group coaching, taking people through my courses, when you buy one of my programs, I can tell which lessons you watched, which lessons you skipped, how many hours or minutes you spent in the course before you quit. I can tell people that ask for a refund without watching a single lesson. And I can tell people that power through the entire course as quickly as they can so they can get the content and ask for a refund. I know when you do it. It is what it is. Not a lot of people do that, but I'm aware of it because I want to see what people do. And what I've noticed is that everyone has a line for how much effort they're willing to put in without reward before they quit. And I don't have a perfect formula for this, but let's say it takes two years before you make your first dollar. Very few people would invest that much time with no proof of success. Now, At the two-year mark, you immediately start making $1,000 a day. Even if I told you that, 99.99% of people wouldn't last that long. And for everyone, that calculation is different. It may be that if you don't see any success in 10 days, you quit. There's a lot of people like that. Some people, it's one day. You might read something, and if it doesn't sound like it works, you quit. And there's a whole lot of psychology behind that that I get into some of my other books and some of my other episodes. But what we want to focus on here is this important lesson, which is how much drive do you have? Now, my journey started when I was fired from my last position during a snowstorm. It was a bit of a blizzard. I was slipping and sliding home. Only I, the day before a blizzard, would buy a convertible. And I'm slipping and sliding home, just trying not to crash this car that I've only had for three days. And I've got five years to pay it off. What a nightmare. And on top of that, I just signed a six-month lease on a new apartment. So I have all these new obligations that I had to pay. So the boats were burning behind me. So I had massive motivation. And my core motivation can boil down to a single sentence. I never wanted some individual, a single person, anyone to have the power to affect my life in that way ever again. A single person made the decision to fire me from my position and they put me in a situation where I was financially vulnerable. And unfortunately at the time, it was before I was married, before I had kids, before I'd even met my wife several years before that. So it was only me on the line. I ended up moving back into my mom's basement when I was 29 years old. That's everyone's, that's every man's dream. I take jobs now that you wouldn't believe. If I have to cover an emergency, if one of my kids gets sick and we eat through our emergency buffer, you'll see me take some jobs. Because here's what I'll do. 
whatever it takes. The reason I succeed is not because I'm smarter than you. I'm not. It's not because I'm younger than you. It's not because I'm older than you. It's not because the color of my eye, the color of my hair, the color of my skin, where I went to school. None of that matters because I know people that make 10 times more money than me that are different in every single one of those categories. It's not that. The thing that separates me from everyone else is that I never give up. When I was in high school, they had this poster and um, you know those stores that sell like memorabilia? They had this original picture of um, Sylvester Sloan from Rambo and it just said, never give up. And it was signed. And I wish I, ha- I wish I owned it. I couldn't afford it. And now I wouldn't know where to find it. But that I wish of everything I've ever seen in my life, that's the one thing that I would still have with me. I'd have it on my wall in my office because it's what I believe in. It's the reason that I really like the Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man Enter the Spider-Verse. There's a moment where Spider-Man gets knocked down. There's a lot of Spider-Mans in the movie, but it's the first Spider-Man. And he says this line, Spider-Man always gets up. That's the difference. Everyone gets knocked down. Everyone gets punched in the face. Everyone has bad days. But if you go, I'll do whatever it takes to make this business work. I'm not going to give up fighting. That makes you strong. It's that one little thing, the little part of you that says, I know what I'm worth. I'm not taking a garbage job. I'm not working for garbage people. I'm going to build a business. But if time gets tough and I got to take care of my family, I'll do whatever it takes. I will take all these other contract jobs so I don't have to go back to a full-time employer. I'll do hard stuff so that I don't have to go back to that single point of vulnerability. I don't want to go back home and say I failed. And that means how bad you want it. And here's a little secret. There's a sentence in the Bible, you have not because you ask not. And hopefully that sentence isn't too religious for you guys, but it's so interesting. The best example of this, I was in college, I was helping this family move. They had just had a baby, they were moving into a new house, they had a PlayStation 2 in a box. And I said, guys, what are you doing with this PlayStation 2? Why is it all boxed up? And they go, oh, we have a baby now, my husband's not allowed to play it anymore, you want it. Well, actually, no. They say, husband, I'll play anymore. I go, oh, can I have it? And they go, yeah, sure. And they gave it to me. Everyone looked at me. All the other college guys were so mad. All I did was ask. They could have said, no, you're crazy. Or they could have asked me to pay for it. And I, I don't know if I would have had enough money. Or hard to remember life 20 years ago that tightly. But that in that single moment, they gave me because I asked. And I can't tell you how many times people have emailed me really long and complicated emails who aren't customers. They just read one of my books. They ask a really detailed question. And I record a 5, 10, 20 minute video. I write a four page email. I write really long emails sometimes to people because they ask. It works on me. It doesn't just work for me. It works on me. So if you're wondering why you're not getting paid more, maybe it's because you haven't asked. With my very first ghostwriting clients went from $800 to $1,600. Okay. Most people would be pretty impressed by someone who doubled their income for the same amount of work within a few months. It was within the same year. I don't remember how long the time it was, right? I doubled it. Pretty good, right? Hundred percent increase. How many of you would love to double your income? If you would love to double your income, that gets you excited. How about leaving a comment below this video on YouTube? We're leaving a pretty cool review on iTunes. All those things help more people to hear this. I want to know that you like what I'm saying. That helps me to grow. So the more feedback you give me, the more love I can give you, the more of these episodes I can record. If you want something, sometimes you just have to ask for it. If you want more money, just say, oh, you know what? I need this. This is the new price. Sometimes I'll go in and I'll say a crazy price. You know, if you've read Serve to Master, I know most of you have, but not everyone. The first technique I developed was I always ask for double what the last person paid. So when I was selling SEO services, first client was $500 a month. Second one, I said 1000 I had one client, okay? At the time, my most expensive client was paying me $1,000 a month. You may have heard this story before, but they said, how much is it? I go, it's $10,000 a month. They go, what? No way. Are you insane? I'll give you two. I go, fine, deal. He got an 80% discount. I got double what I was expecting to walk out with. It's one of the craziest negotiations I've ever been in. I was sweating inside, holding, holding still. All I was saying is don't talk, don't talk, don't talk, don't talk, don't talk. Because there's this temptation where there's silence to fill the silence. 
and to negotiate against yourself. Don't do that. The ability to be silent and wait once you ask for something really provides amazing things. On my very first blog, I had the Latin of this phrase. I can't remember how exactly how to say it anymore, but it's fortune favors the bull. And I'm pretty sure it was by Plenty the Younger, but if I get the reference wrong, I apologize for that. Well, we've probably heard that saying, especially those of you who are into 300 as a movie. And that means luck happens to people who try. That's a boring way to say it. You know how I get so many high-ticket ghostwriters? I tell everyone what I do. That's it. I never ask for work. I never say, hey, I'm looking for a client. Sometimes I will approach someone and say, I've got an idea for a project we could do together. If it's a commission project, okay? If I want a percentage of sales and I have an idea to where I can make a big percentage, I'm working on one of those projects right now. But 99% of the time, except for that one exception where I have a really good idea and I know that I can make a massive back end, if it's a flat fee project, no, I don't approach anyone. Never. I'm an expert. And here's what I say. I go, look, here's what I do. I'm very, very good at what I do. My book is full. However, I'm always interested in really cool projects. So if you know of a cool project, it might be interesting to me. Let me know. What I'm saying is I'm awesome, but I like to be intrigued. I have enough control over my financial destiny, over how much money is coming in over my business that I get to pick and choose my projects. If you're lucky, I might choose you. Now I'm talking like a prom queen. That's right. Most of my negotiating strategies, I learned from watching pretty popular girls that had no interest in me in high school and college. While I was getting rejected, I learned a little something along the way. That if you are unavailable, but you leave a tiny crack of opportunity in, that people will come running. My final piece of advice here is to double the price, double the price, and double the price. This is a lesson I can't tell you enough because even though it's been, was part of my business that I stopped doing it, that I started doing it again, it's, you can never do it enough. Here's what happens. Let's say you do your first job, you get a writing job or a graphic design job or voiceover, you make a hundred dollars. That's not great. I know, but it's something. Next client, you go, no, it's 200 now. And they go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'll pay you 150. How does that feel? Pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. You have to create room for a negotiation. And that's how you do it. Because otherwise, you'll say, oh, the price was $100. They'll go, I'll give you 75. <laughs> and now you're taking a pay cut. The first number is never going to be what people want to pay you. Now, you can try to go the price is the price route. That's a tough one. I've been doing this a long time. And the price is not always the price. Maybe if you're stronger than me or have more of an iron will, the price is the price is the price. But instead, I create an environment where I have room for negotiating. Every time, every single time I tell someone my final price first, I regret it. 100%. Never tell people your low number first. Inflate it, tell them double. It's so much easier. Because if you pre-give someone, if I say to someone, you know what, it's normally $20,000. Because I'm getting a massive part of the back end, I see the future of this, I'll do it for five. Then they'll go, how about three? Or then they start messing around with the payment schedule. What a hassle. Avoid all of that. By just saying, look, the price is 20. This is what it normally is. And then they'll go, okay, what about 10? And suddenly, <laughs> now I'm getting more than my lower number. That happens a lot. So don't make the mistake that I've made sometimes. Always double your price. And if you do that, you can start making a lot more money today. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Serve No Master. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss another episode. We'll be back next Tuesday with more tips and tactics on how to escape that rat race. Head over to servenomaster.com forward slash podcasts now for your chance to win a free copy of Jonathan's bestseller, Serve No Master. All you have to do is leave a five-star review of this podcast. See you Tuesday. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Serve No Master podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode.